This is AJ Brown, and you're listening to Roster Watch. back folks it's difficult to believe but we gather here for the final edition of the rosterwatch.com trade cast for the 2022 season uh, this must this means we must ramp up our efforts the next seven to ten days as trade deadlines begin to drop across the majority of fantasy leagues uh, either this weekend or you know almost immediately after Thanksgiving. So, you know, we got a week, two weeks, maybe 10 days to ramp up our efforts here and act. And we really have to act with intention. We have to be deliberate. We have to work with a sense of urgency at this point. We've been extraordinarily opportunistic all season. However, we're up against it now, and there may not be time to lie in wait any longer. Maybe we have to be like that mixed martial artists in the final round of a really tough fight and they're either on the losing end or it's looking like it's going to be a draw and you can no longer wait for that perfect counter strike or for your opponent to make a mistake you have to take matters into your own hands become more aggressive and go out and try to make something happen try to win the fight we see this in ambush predators sometimes in nature they love to lie in wait for an easy meal but when times are tough, sometimes we see peculiar, unusual behaviors out of those animals as they have to resort to tactics that usually you don't see. They got to make something happen. They got to survive. And they want to win. We want to win. We want to win our fantasy football championships. We want to survive the war of attrition here at the end of the regular season. What this means is it's time to act on the trade market while we have the opportunity to do so. Uh, we got to ramp up our efforts. We got to win now, and we have to reorganize our rosters for the playoff runs. So, so, you know, a couple of things to keep in mind here is you really need to identify your needs. You need to identify the needs of your potential trade partners because we can't have a lot of wasted motion here. We need to make offers and deals that hit the target, that matter, that we can get across the finish line. And for that to happen, you really need to understand your needs and your needs uh, as they relate to winning now and staying in the driver's seat in the playoff field, as well as having some foresight to build the most formidable playoff starting lineup that you possibly can. And folks, we got a big, big burly episode here for the final episode of the 2022 roster watch dot com trade cast i've been thinking about some things for you guys today as i've been trying to make my own last minute deals this is kind of our last you know full measure on the fantasy football trade market this season you know this next week or 10 days and this will be the final episode of the season due to the thanksgiving holiday uh next week but we're going to leave you inspiration we're going to leave you inspired to continue to make deals all the way up to the deadline 
we'll give you kind of the template to work by and um, you know we expect you guys to get some things done and to bring home some championships for roster watch nation um, some things I was thinking about as I was constructing my own final deals today I mean these things can get a little bit complicated especially with all the buys you have to consider like in a week like this like I'm super I deep I have a very deep team but I have a ton of people with buys simultaneously this week it's left me in kind of a peculiar situation this week so I've got a all these deals I'm thinking about making I have to take into consideration like how does this affect my starting lineup am I able to field a starting lineup this week so um, some conclusions I kind of came to about you know how to think through this process when you're constructing your own deals is you know first and foremost identify your needs like I said and once you find a trade partner Identify their needs so you can make a deal that's targeted, hits the mark for them, and you can get something across the finish line. But, um, you know, the first thing you need to understand is what is the core of the deal? Because these deals can balloon. You need to understand what's the core of the deal as it relates to fulfilling your needs on the trade market. Most of the time, there's the core of the deal is either a one-for-one one or a two-for-one. So you need to understand what that core of that deal is Um What's the centerpiece of that deal? Um, that's the first thing to understand because then what's going to happen as you try to get a little bit more creative just to get things done here since we are kind of up up against it with our trade deadlines is I think you guys will want to consider, especially those of you with deep benches, um, some of these deals might balloon up into three three for two deals, five players involved, three for two. Sometimes you're throwing in a third player uh, for a second player, uh, a three for two. Sometimes you are trying to essentially balance the trade a little bit or help fill some immediate needs. So these are things that you need to consider. But once you start getting into these three for two considerations and configurations, it can get a little tricky thinking about like how what does this do with all these bye weeks? How does this affect my starting lineup? How does this affect the balance of my roster? I mean, that's something I've been considering today. I'm very I'm deep at all positions, but I'm extraordinarily deep at running back. And so I'm like, you know, ideally I don't need, you know, one thing we'll always talk about is as you prepare your roster for the playoffs, the fantasy playoffs, you want to begin front loading as much equity into your starting lineup as possible because you want a little depth in case of injuries in the playoffs, but you know, you're really wasting a lot of the value of your roster if it's on your bench riding away in the playoffs with guys that you simply can't start. So, um, you know, one thing to consider is what is this going to do with my depth? Like in a perfect world, I'm thinking if I do make some moves with the depth of my roster, I don't want to come away with a situation where I've got six running backs and only three wide receivers, you know? I'd rather that be, I'd rather have some more balance there. Let's get rid of some of those running backs, you know, let's consolidate them into something better and let's maintain some balance in terms of the depth. I don't need six running backs, but I'd like to have more than three wide receivers, right? You know, let's strike a balance of, let's have one running, one good running back on the bench and one good wide receiver on the bench. I think that that's the kind of insurance and the balance you're looking for on your bench as you're looking ahead. Uh, to the playoffs, and then otherwise you want as much of the value in your lineup uh, as possible in 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 your starting roster. So, um, 
you know, get to the core of the deal though. Once you understand the core of your deal, it's easy to look at different iterations of that deal where you can build it out with a couple other peripheral players to either fill some precise needs for this moment in time, or maybe as you're looking ahead to some other buys, um, uh, or if maybe you know you can't get the value just quite right on a one for one or a two for one, you know sometimes you've got to balance it out with a couple of other peripheral uh, players in the deal. So um, I'd advise you uh, to do that. Okay, so let's dive right in here. Um, I what I've been doing the last few podcasts is kind of categorizing these guys generally as I view them, even though there's some gray area for some of these players. So I kind of give you my take on these players. Um, but I think what we're really doing here is we're asking them ourselves, you know, what are we going to do with these players down the stretch? So I ask you folks, what are you going to do with Devontae Smith, Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver rest of season? I mean, this is a player I like. This is a player I'm bullish on. This is a player I've drafted, rostered, followed closely, told you guys to trade for him in dynasty. There's a lot to like here, right? But, uh, in the end, I think we've seen out of nine games, we've had one one game with big big upside for Devontae Smith. And he's been, you know, at first we thought he'd be a little bit boom bust. We can live with that if we get some big booms, right? He's a player you can feel okay about plugging him in when you need to, but we've had the one monster game in week three. And other than that, there's been some respectable kind of, you know, 11, 12-point games and half-point PPR for Devontae Smith. Nothing to really write home about the target volume if we're looking at the uh, touchdown dependency tool over at rosterwatch.com, which kind of gives us a snapshot of stats on the season for a lot of these guys. 7.8, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, 6.78 targets per game. It's You know, it's it's not enough for Devontae Smith to be a like ultra-reliable player in your starting line. I view him more as the guy you'd rather have on your bench as your insurance in the playoffs, if you've got to slide somebody in. I mean, our goal is to have better players than this in our starting lineup uh, for the playoffs. And I think the interesting situation with Devontae Smith, he's a good player. He looks really good when he's getting fed out there. Eagles, people are over the moon for their offense and that team. Like, There's a lot of good vibes about Devontae Smith, and then you are just absolutely – and utterly surprised when you look at Devontae Smith's half-point PPR uh, profile on the season, and you realize that Devontae Smith is wide receiver 34 average points per game on the season. I mean, that's not even a high-end wide receiver three. He is a low-end wide receiver three in 12-team leagues, and what I'm telling you is there is an inexplicable difference in the perception of his value and what his real value is on the season. And I could tell you firsthand, I traded him last week, and he's a marketable player. And he's a marketable player coming off of a good game. He'd had two down games the previous weeks. Last week was a good game for him. I mean, still only 11 points, but people felt like it was a good game because he led the passing game. A.J. Brown did nothing. It felt like the pendulum had swung back to Devontae Smith. He got in the end zone last week. He had the eight targets. The buy is in the rearview mirror. I think there's a lot of marketability here for Devontae Smith. He gets the Indianapolis Colts this week, which are pretty ugly matchup for fantasy wide receivers. Would not be surprised if he uh, turned back into a bit of a pumpkin this week. So why not try to sell him off of uh, the impressive 
you know, or no, at least noteworthy Week Ten performance. I think that you should look. If you got to live with Devontae Smith rest of the season, you know, you could be doing much, much worse. He's a fine player to roster, but if we've got to start taking matters in our own hands and getting a little more um, active, aggressive here, making deals and making offers, we're going to have to put some pieces into play. And Devontae Smith is uh, an asset that we'd be perfectly fine doing so uh, with. Gabriel Davis, a player you guys have, you know, listened to me for the entire season on this podcast. It's been a an ebb and a flow with him in terms of being uh, on the trade market this season. And it's because Gabriel Davis is the wide receiver two on his team. He's a low-volume guy. He's been not as touchdown-dependent lately as he had been. Um, you know, but he's been another one, boom-busty. Much, much, but much boomier than Devontae Smith. Much boomier. He's really had at least, you know, some better games than somebody like Devontae Smith. Let's see where Gabriel Davis is. Wide receiver 21 on the season. I think that would... Speak speak to that. Um, all of that said, I think like that still means that he is basically a flex type player, and um, you know he's certainly fine to roster. But you can you can do better than that. You can level up beyond into another tier than a flex player if you take Gabe Davis and you package him with another player and consolidate him for a better player in return. And I think Gabe Davis has name recognition. People love the offense. He's coming off an 18-point, 10-target game in Week 10. He's got the specter of some crazy snow game uh, against Cleveland this week. It is a good matchup on paper for the Bills' wide receivers against the Browns this week. And then, of course, they have their bye in the rearview mirror. They got Detroit on the horizon. Uh, They got a decent schedule here ahead. So I think, again, much like Devontae Smith, there's marketability with Gabe Davis, if you want to get a great player, you're going to have to give up some good players. And Gabriel Davis is one uh, that we'd put in that bucket and we can we can live with uh, parting with if we can put something like that uh, together. Uh, this one could be a little bit tougher because it's the Thursday game, but I, mean, I certainly think you have to investigate potentially selling Christian Watson. That's what we're doing. We're investigating just a large, a gaggle of players here on the final edition of the rosterwatch.com trade cast for the 2022 season. And Christian Watson has been a golden son of Rosterwatch Nation since the Senior Bowl. We had Alex and the Trash Man there in Mobile, Alabama, about 10 short months ago, just singing the praises of Christian Watson. And boy, we saw the flashes all season. He couldn't really put it together. He finally did last week with an absolute monster. Uh, was it three touchdown Randy Moss-like performance? Only four receptions, though. Um, God, now he's six foot five. I mean, the guy is explosive and can run. Uh, we've seen some issues with the hands uh, with Christian Watson. It was an eighty-four percent snap count. I'm looking at the snap counts, touches, and targets tool over at rosterwatch.com. Led the team uh, with eight targets. We know Amari Rogers has been released. Uh, Romeo Dubs, the other rookie, has been a little bit hampered lately. Uh, so people, you know, rightfully so. I think this is, well, this is why we're discussing Watson. People went, you know, 
nuclear on their waiver wires this week to uh, acquire Christian Watson. And, you know, it's hard not to when you see a player just look like such an absolute freak and it's like the piece that the Packers so desperately need. And, you know, he's got the draft capital and we, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. There's a lot to get excited about here, but I think it's far too early to really have a firm handle on what Watson's actual value is going to materialize into the rest of the season. And my best guess is that this this was obviously probably his best game of the season because of the three touchdowns. I don't think anybody would question that. You know, can he go eight targets and 84 snap percent snap count and, you know, be a 100-yard guy even without the touchdowns? Maybe my gut says it's going to be hit or miss. He's a rookie, and you know, is he going to come in out of nowhere and be good every game of the season the rest of the way? Like, you know, maybe that's not what people are expecting, but what I'm saying is most of the time – when the market gets fired up, there's an overreaction. And I think there's a good chance there's an overreaction to the value of Christian Watson here. Now, he was just a waiver wire pickup for a lot of people. Um, sometimes your league makes won't bite on a guy that you just picked up off the waiver or whatever. But I think in this case, people are so hyped up about him that I that, that might be irrelevant. So kudos to you if you roster Christian Watson or if you were able to get him off of waivers this week, despite what you may have had to you know, spend up to to acquire him. Um, that's said, I don't think there's anything wrong. It's like I said, it can be hard to do on a Thursday slate. Uh, investigate. Maybe it's not this week. Maybe, you know, maybe it's next week. Maybe Christian Watson's just a guy we're watching right now. Um, I think he's a guy that, as we get a little informa- more information, if you you could consider selling him if it's in a package deal for a more prestigious player, uh, in return, he certainly has all the value right now, and you, you can make a strong argument that this could be the apex of his value on the season. And we, I think you definitely can make the argument he's marketable at this point in time. So I think it would be at least prudent if you're if you're if you're going big game hunting for a big name in a fantasy football trade. You know, if you roster Christian Watson, I think it'd be prudent to see how he could contribute to getting a deal like that done. If not this week. Uh, maybe next week, or you know, let's see what happens. It'll be very interesting. Does he bust this week, and what happens to his value from there? I mean, a lot of this is timing, and remember, you've got a small window um, at this point. Maybe he goes big again, and maybe his value goes up even more, and you can get more, or maybe you don't want to get rid of him once you see him put two games. That's why this is so fun. It's an imperfect science. It's a little bit of an art here. Um, you have to have some instinct and some intuition, um, but we teach you how to think about these things um, on this podcast, um, every single, uh, season, uh, Darius Slayton, a guy that you noticed for the giants, it's actually been kind of hot lately. He was another waiver wire pickup. If you look at it, you're actually kind of surprised to see like Darius Slayton has had, God, I think in the last, what, four to six weeks here, we've had Darius Slayton has had a 10 point of, he's had basically, Four double-digit games in the last five games, Darius Slayton has. On low target volume, not overly touchdown dependent, but a couple of touchdowns, you know, decent yardage, you know, respectable targets. Uh, Let's see what the snap counts were for Slayton this last week. That's just been an ugly passing game to consider buying into, but Slayton, 80% snap count, really led the 
led the wide receivers, led him in targets, only four. We know he's a big play guy. Uh, you know, all of this said, we have a lot of history with Darius Slayton. Do you, you got to ask, look in, look, in, look in the mirror, like splash some water on your face, slap your cheeks, look in the mirror, open your eyes and just say like, you know, can I really live with Darius Slayton? What am I doing here? And I think that you will, better logic will prevail and you will say like, I should be trading Darius Slayton while he's got a lot of value. Um, I say a lot of value while he's been valuable, you know, while he's been producing. You don't really want to keep, you know, you really, you don't really don't want to keep riding the, you don't want to keep surfing this wave with Darius Slayton. If you don't have to, I mean, maybe it's, maybe he doesn't have, maybe he's not valued in your league and you can't get anything for him and you keep him and it turns out he's just one of these sneaky good guys to roster and maybe he's just a bench guy. He probably is for you. I think that's fine, but um, I think he's the type of player you try to throw into a package deal uh, uh, to get negotiations uh, maybe across the finish line just to sweeten that pot just enough. I think you can do it. Darius Slayton has really been performing quite well lately. Uh, Here's a player I'm not – I think he's probably a hold. I mean, ultimately, I think he's got dynamic forces acting in – both directions. I think he's probably a hold, but Chris Olave, you know, of the Saints, it was on fire to begin the season. Still clearly the lead guy for the Saints, but the Saints haven't looked good. Andy Dalton is looks like he's basically the starting. Jameis, the point is Jameis Winston is probably not going to return, which is really what you were hoping for in terms of fantasy. He's the kind of guy that's going to can feed your fantasy players a little bit more uh, than you would expect from an Andy Dalton and you know Dalton showed a little something right out of the gate but as you'd expect he's really kind of um been pretty mediocre and I think that's shown up in Chris Olave's fantasy production uh you know like I said we have a Jarvis Landry return so I I wonder with Olave like he could be a buy low because it's been a couple of slow weeks for him um I he's certainly not a sell high but I think he could still be a sell. I mean, he's coming off a five-point game in Week 10. It was a 10-point game in Week 9, half-point PPR. I mean, so in the last month, he's been 15 points, 8 points, 10 points, you know, 5 points. So it's 38 points divided by 3. He's been 9.5 points a game. I mean, that's a wide receiver 3. That's what we're looking out of. He's been the very Devontae Smith-ish is kind of where he's devolved to after looking like he was going to be a high upside wide receiver too to begin the season. That said, I think, you know, if if your league mates aren't putting too much stock into last week's bottom line production, I think on the season people have good vibes about him. And actually his recent production is, you know, still respectable when you just glance at the game log. So Alave, not a – he may be a buy low. He's not necessarily a buy, but he may be a buy low. He's definitely not necessarily a sell high, but he may be a sell. Uh, I think you'll have to evaluate this in your situation. What uh, you know? What does your roster look like? How do, how is he valued by uh, the folks in in your league? But I think the point is is that um, Alave is a guy that at the right price, like you're happy to acquire and see what happens here. I think he'd be a fine, like really nice flex or something. Uh, rest of season or like if he's your top bench wide receiver I think you'd feel like really really good about something like that but more than anything what we're really trying to do is we're trying to escalate to the biggest names in fantasy football 
And I think Olave is a guy you can, you know, you can live with parting with him. You can take that chance and sleep at night. And I think he is the type of player that can help you get uh, uh, to a more superior asset in return. I think Chris Olave is a guy that could ultimately be a hold due to these forces, but a player that could be in play and should be, um, I think he should be evaluated. I think he's a guy you evaluate what his situation is either on your roster or on one of your league mates rosters at this juncture. If you had a need for a flex or a wide receiver, uh, Brian Robinson of the Washington, uh, commanders, by the way, folks, let's, you know, we want to give you a little bit more content to chew on here. Darius Slayton, and let's give you the matchups for these last few. So Green Bay in the Thursday game with Watson, who we talked about. It's a monster matchup for him. Slayton, a monster matchup. Number four on the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com at home against uh, Detroit. Uh, so we do have some good wide receiver matchups. Chris Olave, kind of a middling one here against the Rams. I don't believe that that's a – I'd be actually – I'm a little worried about that matchup for Olave. Only a 39-point game total, kind of a middling matchup on paper here. So, um, you know, do with that what you will. But I think you can sell the matchups with Watson, Slayton. Um, you know, I think Olave is fine. I think uh, if you needed to play Slayton or Watson – you feel a little better about it this week, and maybe you can just uh, reset and have another look at it next week. Olave, I'm a little more motivated to maybe just get something done um, before this game against the Rams, if need be. Okay, Brian Ross Robinson of the Washington Commanders. Let's hop over to the uh, Snap Count Touches and Targets tool at rosterwatch.com. Uh, we've seen Robinson pick it up a little bit lately. McKissick is banged up for the Commanders. It was a... 52% snap count, 26 touches, 86 yards, and a touchdown for Robinson. That's pretty big. Antonio Gibson, 48% snap count, three targets, 17 touches, 58 yards, and a touchdown. So really, Robinson, he ended up on the good side of the timeshare in Week 10. Let's see what happened in Week 9 with the Commanders. Let's see if we've got a trend here or just a one-off with Robinson. Antonio Gibson, 58%, 13 touches, 47 yards, three targets in Week 9. Whereas Brian Robinson was a 44% snap count, 15 touches, led in touches, not so much with the snap count. Uh, you know, you wonder some of that might have been game flow uh, specific, although it was a little surprising what the commanders were able to do here uh, with the Eagles. Uh, let's go back to week eight. Brian Robinson, a 25% snap count, eight touches, but that was with McKissick uh, in there. That was kind of a three-way split with Gibson leading. So I think, you know, the fact is, especially while while and if McKissick's out and somewhat game flow dependent, we've seen Brian Robinson tick up here. Um, that said, like, you just heard, I mean, you just heard the the characteristics of, of his situation just read out. Like, it just screams timeshare, right? And so what are you going to do with Brian Robinson and, in your fantasy. But that's what I'm here to ask you guys today. Like, what are you going to do with these players? What are you going to do, folks, with Brian Robinson the rest of the season? What are you going to do with him in your lineup rest of the year? What are you going to do with Brian Robinson in the fantasy football playoffs? What are you going to do with Brian Robinson on the fantasy football trade market coming off of a 15-point effort 
uh, in Week 10. Really, definitely his best game of the season. Only other one other double-digit game this year. Um, I, I mean, this is what you've been waiting for with Robinson. You have no idea if you can trust him moving forward. You feel a little better, but... Um, you know, it's a low floor, low upside situation at this point. I think most leagues are some version of a PPR format. You probably still prefer Gibson at this junction. So, um, it's very unclear, uh, what the outlook is on a week to week basis for Brian Robinson Ford. And so that makes it clear to me that we should attempt to move on from him and move him in a deal, uh, this week for a better player. I mean, Sometimes I give you guys mock proposals at the end of this so you have a little bit of a template for some trades to make this week. But let's just talk them through right here. I mean, can you take Brian Robinson and Devontae Smith or Brian Robinson and Gabriel Davis or Brian Robinson and Darius Slayton or Brian Robinson and Chris Olave and consolidate them, combine them in a package deal uh, for one superior player in return? I think you can. You know, is it going to be a top shelf player? You know, maybe not. Maybe we got to sweeten up one side of that deal. I mean, maybe a Devontae Smith, Brian Robinson is not going to get you top shelf, but maybe Brian Robinson plus another big name or Devontae Smith plus another big name. You know, those might get you um, up closer to the top shelf. Or like we talked about doing some three for two deals. I think these are names uh, that you could definitely put on the uh, three player side of those configurations if you're just looking for a little more ammo uh, to push something across the finish line. Uh, Devin Singletary of the Buffalo Bills. What in the heck are you going to do with him? Let's see here. So Devin Singletary. Again, this wacky weather game we're hearing about at home at Cleveland. It's a number four matchup for fantasy running back. So on paper, things look good for Devin Singletary. Uh, by the way, it's the number one matchup of the week for Brian Robinson. The aforementioned Brian Robinson at Houston, a low game total. But, you know, you might have, like we said, you know, we're kind of looking. I'm giving you guys inspiration for the next seven to ten days here. So some of this is food for thought for next week when you're trying to, you know, take your last crack at the pitch. Where they say, like, we got to take a hard cut. At, at the ball right now you know we really do because there's only so many pitches left right and we want to knock this we want to knock this piece out of the park right so washington you got a little latitude there you could sell brian robinson's number one matchup this week as a um uh, an amenity of his profile as making it marketable this week or you can you know ride that horse and cash in this week if you need to get another bite at the apple next Week with Brian Robinson, I think you've got some flexibility there. Devin Singletary back to him with the Bills at home. It's a top five matchup. Um, let's see what's going on with this Bills backfield because, you know, on paper, this is one that we're expecting to really uh, devolve as the season uh, kind of turns. Uh, I guess, what are we turning, like second base now? Probably like in the big picture. I don't know if we're turning third base yet. I think we're turning. Uh, second base at this point. Devin Singletary, 72% snap count, 14 touches, two targets, 47 yards, and two touchdowns in Week 10. Naeem Hines, a piddly 8% snap count, one target, nine yards. Boy, we t- I mean, this is a perfect example of, uh, of some of the techniques that we use throughout the season. I mean, we told you, and this is stuff most people don't think about. People were all lathered up about Naeem Hines and a trade to the Bills and, like, 
you know, we said, dude, you ought to take this opportunity to flip that thing on its head and, and, uh, you know, let's storm this, let's, let's, let's storm this fortress through the back door, man. Like let's, let's trade Naeem Hines while everybody's fired up about him. And the truth is we have no idea how things are going to materialize with him. And, and logic dictates is he's going to be in some kind of timeshare, right? So, um, you know, maybe he'll pay off down the road, but if you did that, you feel like, like that was a brilliant move to get value on Naeem Hines at that point, because now you're either stuck with dead weight on your roster, you've dropped him, or you've got to wait for him to restore value in order to play him or attempt to trade him. And like we said, uh, the hourglass is uh, running low. The sands of time on the fantasy football trade market are close to expiring. Um, Who else do we have here? James Cook, 17% snap, five targets. I mean, five touches, 22 yards. So Singletary's still in the lead, but it's just not a run offense. Um, you know, Devin Singletary, let's just see here. I want to see on on the season, Devin Singletary. Um, let's go here. Singletary. Snap count touches and targets. So 4.3 yards per carry. That's, a, that's respectable. Four targets per game is definitely better than I thought. The 13 touches per game still... Basically, pretty uh, piddly for Singletary. That has made him on the season in terms of half points, point per game PPR. Devin Singletary is running back 30. I mean, that's just not going to get it done, folks. You're going to really limp into the fantasy playoffs with Devin Singletary as one of the starting running backs, like on your roster. Find a way to find a way to you know find a way to turn him into something better. Uh, I think you. Absolutely should do that while you can because Singletary is the kind of guy you could have a down game or two and then uh, you're going to be totally stuck uh, rest of season. Aaron Jones, speaking of the Thursday night game, another player that's been back and forth with the ebbs and the flows and the contours of the season on this podcast, which has been very difficult to determine, you know, is he just, what is he on the season? He's been pretty boom busty, you know, is he a guy you can depend on? Is he a guy you're buying low on? Is he ultimately just a flex with upside? Um, and so I think our what our desire to do with Aaron Jones has been kind of sell when he's high and buy when he's low. That's kind of been the game we've been playing. But now it's like, what what role does he play on our roster? Um, you know, if I can have him in my flex going to the fantasy playoffs, that's the kind of guy I want. I mean, that's the kind we have. Those are the kind of arms race. That's the trading we're trying to do as we bulk up, you know, every aspect of our starting lineup uh, going into the fantasy football playoffs. But if Aaron Jones is like your RB1 or your RB2, like that hasn't been as desirable of a situation, right? So it's kind of which side of this thing are you on? Aaron Jones, a 23-pointer last week after a five-pointer in week nine. But there is a trend here. There is a trend here now that I look at it. Three of the last four weeks have been big weeks for Aaron Jones. Kind of low volume, though. Week 7 was 8 touches, 8 rushing attempts. Week 9, nine, nine rushing attempts. We did have 20 attempts in Week 8 and Week 10. Let's see how he is doing versus A.J. Dillon in terms of the timeshare. Because this was a very... I mean, he's clearly the much more effective player, but this was a very cannibalistic situation for a large chunk of the season. 70% snap count, 26 touches for Aaron Jones, only 2 targets. Uh, in week 10 versus A.J. Dillon, a 38 percenter with 13 targets. 
Uh, let's see here. Week nine. Week nine, Dylan had a 66% snap count. That was a 60, so 65 40. He barely out touched Jones. Let's see. Week eight. Aaron Jones, 67%, five targets, 24 touches. Uh, he outdid Dylan significantly in that game. Let's go back to week seven. So week seven, the touch volume wasn't quite there, but that was a big, big, God oh my, that was 10 targets in week seven. Uh, A.J. Dillon was, he was kind of a two-to-one there for Aaron Jones. Let's see what week nine was for Aaron Jones. That must have been a lot of targets, too. Uh... Two targets. So <clears throat> two targets in week nine. There must have been okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a fruitless game against Detroit in in week nine. So he had a big game on only the eight touches in week seven because he had the ten targets. But that was week seven. And then two out of the last three have been big games because he had big volume, week eight and week ten. So I think we are seeing a trend here with Aaron Jones. You're certainly not going to buy low on him at this point, coming off the big game. Um, so this tells me that if you bought on him low, and he's because you were a a winning team that had the assets to pursue him and like put him at the bottom of your starting lineup, you're feeling very, very good about this as we analyze it uh, heading into Week 11. You made a great move, and I think this is going to pay off uh, for you in the in the playoffs more than likely if you. If Aaron Jones is the linchpin of your roster, one of your premier players, and you aren't sure, you maybe you're like on the playoff bubble and you're not totally sold after a real hit or miss season, a treacherous kind of season as an Aaron Jones manager. Maybe you're th- maybe you're still not sold, and I couldn't blame you if that was the case. And this is your opportunity, might be your last opportunity to try to sell super high on him, um, you know, this week or next. I think he's just a guy to keep an eye on. It's curious. Let's see, Aaron Jones, a guy we've gotten so accustomed to being one of the absolute best players in all of fantasy. Running back 13 on the season, I guess is about what you'd expect. I mean, he's been a high-end RB2, not what you drafted him for. Maybe better than you would have thought. Of course, that's coming off of a... uh, a good game here for Aaron Jones. I'm curious. Let's see the touchdown dependency tool over at rosterwatch.com. Aaron Jones, 4.2 targets per game. We know he's had some big games in the passing department. So, yeah, it, it's just Aaron Jones, a guy who's in play. A guy who's in play, but I think you understand how to make sense of his situation at this point. So just understand, you know, understand how that relates to your team as currently constructed, and I think that'll dictate what the outlook is for Aaron Jones uh, in your personal situation. Deontay Foreman. Boy, I mean, he looks like a league winner. I mean, this is one of, apparently, one of the, him and Justin Fields, you know, look like two of the league winner, like, waiver wire pickups. The waiver pickups that were season changers. Possible league winners. Deontay Foreman, three out of the last four games. 16.5 points, 32.8 points, 20 points. Half point PPR, a stinker in week nine, but 
I mean, 26 touches in week eight, 31 touches in week 10. I mean, there is still the specter of Chuba Hubbard, but Foreman looks good. He looks good. He's getting involved. He's producing. I mean, he has scored four touchdowns, about a touchdown a game in that span. Um, I mean, if you picked him up, kudos. Like, this is... uh, it's it's worked out better than you could hope for, and it's it's changed probably changed the landscape of your fantasy season. That said, like his value is very very high at the moment. This is Deontay Foreman on a bad football team. Um, does he maintain this just gigantic workhorse role rest of the season? There's some question. It's not a bullet. It's not an airtight case for Deontay. Foreman, so you have to determine how comfortable are you with him rest of the season. His value is very high right now. I think if you have to keep him, you're probably fine. But I think he's a great guy to investigate. What can you, what can you transform your roster into by uh, putting Deontay Foreman on the fantasy football trade market? Let's see. Foreman here is, uh, let's see what we got here. Foreman is going to be a tough matchup. Tough, tough matchup for Foreman here at Baltimore. It's a number 27 matchup and a 41.5 point game total where there are 13 point underdogs. I mean, that's an ugly looking situation for Foreman. His bubble might burst this week, folks. This is the perfect time. To act and remember, you're not going to have a lot of other opportunities now. So I really recommend strongly that you at least explore the possibilities of trading Deontay Foreman in your fantasy football league uh, to you know in a deal to bring home a more elite uh, player in return. Uh, he's got the Ravens and then the Broncos. So he's got two tough matchups these next few weeks and then a week 13 bye. Deontay Foreman, the more and more we look at this right here on the podcast together, on the rosterwatch.com tradecast, uh, I'm getting, we're warming up the idea of trading away Deontay Foreman down the stretch. Tony Pollard, Dallas Cowboy. I mean, he's put some big games uh, in the bank for his owners the last couple of weeks and his owners are smitten with him and he's been kind of a season changer you know with Zeke out um as well you know that said we're getting closer to a Zeke return and I think you have to you have to be honest with yourself about that that's going to be a split backfield if and when Zeke does return it could be as early as this week we've got three double digit games in a row for Pollard the last two games very very nice games Really finally got the big volume in week 10. You know, Pollard, I've seen him in person. He's a much, he's, you know, I'm, he still weighs like 210 pounds or something, but he he's much smaller than somebody like Zeke in person. And you look at him and you say, man, he's really, and it helps you understand why Dallas has utilized him the way he had. You don't look at Tony, when you scout Tony Pollard in person, as good as he is, you don't look at him and say, this is a guy that we can give three or 400 touches to you know, 17 games in the season. He's just not that kind of player. So, you know, 
I don't. You got the big volume last week, but I think that's an outlier. Number one, it's it's not how they want to use him, and number two, if Zeke comes back, um, I just don't think the touches are there for him to get that kind of volume. And 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 look, Pollard's shown that he can be good on lower volume because he scores touchdowns, he makes big plays, he has a big uh, yards per carry. Um, but look, he's in a timeshare. He's in a timeshare, and his values through the roof. I think there might be it might be a little bit incongruent his perceived value versus his actual value moving forward. That's the arbitrage uh, that we look for at rosterwatch.com. Uh, we have Tony Pollard this week is on the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com. Let's see what we got here. Dallas at Minnesota. It's a middling matchup, you know. So it's it's an okay matchup. Let's see what Tony Pollard is. Here on the season, points per game. Gosh, RB17 on the season, points per game. It's really been a a, a, a a treat for those who drafted him in the you know middle or late rounds of the drafts. But um, all good things come to an end, and I think this is a you strike while the iron's hot kind of thing. You know, with with uh, Tony Pollard, sometimes you want to. Sometimes it's better to quit while you're ahead, right? And currently, you're definitely ahead. With Tony Pollard, I think, look, we talked about, do you need a big name? You know, we said, can you get something done with a Brian Robinson and a Devontae Smith for an elite player? Maybe not, but can you get something done with the Devontae Smith and a Tony Pollard or a, a uh, Gabriel Davis and a Tony Pollard or a Brian Robinson and a Tony Pollard? Or what about a Deontay Foreman and a Gabriel Davis? Surely you can get something done for those players. You can get a good player in return for those players. And those very well could be depth players on your roster and that's exactly what we gather here for today is to talk through what we do in that situation that's that's been the goal is to accumulate that much talent of depth or depth of talent and then now the goal is to is to maximize uh the the our leverage into you know for, in our starting lineup how do how do we do that? And that's when even you got to quote unquote overpay. I don't care. I'm at the point where I'm willing to overpay to some extent, not irrationally, but to some degree, uh, to get the players I want. Because you know, even if I'm ending up with maybe I'm sacrificing uh, a little, you know, a little bit of value in the deal. But if it's improving my starting lineup, and then I liberate a waiver spot that I can go get a high value. Uh, bench replacement with then you know then we're absolute golden we're absolutely golden or cherry as they say in that situation cherry red james connor and that red cardinals uniform i can't believe it eno benjamin you know he 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 threw a temper tantrum and he got thrown the hell out of arizona and that speaks to what i saw at training camp i mean we like eno the team like eno he looked good but James Conner's their guy, man. And it just really hasn't materialized this season for a number of reasons. Even last week, I mean, James Conner, that really he finally had a good fantasy game on paper, but it was it was two touchdowns that uh really lifted his fantasy performance to his best performance of the season. 22 fantasy points on 21 touches, only 69 yards, 21 attempts, 69 yards rushing, uh two touchdowns for James Conner. Let's see. We knew the snap count last week was looking good at almost like a 70% or let's see uh, what he was able to cobble together in week 10. 
James Conner, 96% snap count. Also three targets or 24 touches, 86 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, this is a monster situation for Connor. Now, Eno Benjamin gone. They got a few guys for him they, behind him. They can still slide in, Keontae Ingram and such. But we're back to James Connor bell cow situation. So if you've got him, you feel very, very good about it. And uh, it may be a situation where he, he he's a guy that's capable of finishing as like a top five guy down the stretch. The question is, how much can you improve over James Conner? Well, I think what you can do is you can improve your degree of certainty around how you feel about a player in your starting lineup. Because even though the potential for Conner to finish very strong is there, and we saw it this last week, you still just aren't totally sure. And this is a game of imperfect information, and we got to make these moves with the information we have at this time. And at this time, you're not, you know, you're not. You don't feel bulletproof going into the fantasy playoffs with James Conner. You feel good, but wouldn't you rather just feel bulletproof going into the fantasy football playoffs? And uh, so I think this is a perfect opportunity to take Conner coming off the big game, the Eno Benjamin release. It looks like he's in the driver's seat. I mean, his value has, for all intents and purposes, been restored or at least to a great extent. So again, he may be a great player to keep. You've had a a little twist of serendipity here if you roster Connor and like you're feeling very, very good about the situation. But I'd say you're a little bit negligent. You're somewhat um, um uh, yeah, you're 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 being you're being somewhat careless if you don't at least you know investigate the situation in the trade market around James Connor um in your league. I mean the fact is his value's been restored, and I think you, if you want to sell him, if you're not comfortable, you can, and I think he's got enough sheen. He's uh, His value's been uh, polished up this last week uh, enough that you can really get a good player in return. If you throw James Conner with Devontae Smith or James Conner with Gabriel Davis or James Conner with Chris Olave, like you really, really should be able to get quite a nice player in return. Let's see here. We have James Conner here. The worst matchup in the league this week at home against San Francisco, twenty number 28 running back matchup on the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com. So, you know, the bubble could burst a little bit after this week, and I think he, that could be totally circumstantial based on the matchup, and then he bounces right back just given the state of the offense and the volume he's getting. I think it's all really shaping up, you know, where you 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 feel pretty bullish uh, rest of the way, but it's unclear. And the problem is we have little time to act. So what happens if he busts this week against San Francisco in a tough matchup? Uh, and then you don't really get another chance to act before your trade deadline expires. So you need to, I think what you need to determine is how, you know, how much urgency do you have to try to move James Conner? Is he a guy that's just going to rot away on your bench in the playoffs? So you need to do something with them while you can. Um, you know, these are the things that you need to understand about, uh, your own roster. James Conner, let's see here. He's got a bye in week 13. He's got the Chargers next week. Let's see what do the Chargers look like in terms of this week. The Chargers are a great matchup for fantasy running backs. So this is something to watch. And, and you know, vice versa. We say flip things on their head here. If Conner busts again this week, if he busts this week because of the matchup, my advice to you is 
to zig when they zag. And if he has an owner who then all of a sudden thinks that week 10 was just an anomaly and Connor is back to being the crappy player he has been all season because he has a poor week 11 performance against a tough opponent, then the the precocious members of Roster Watch Nation will very, very uh, astutely uh, and intentionally pursue James Conner next week because that could be one of the last moves of the season you can make on the trade market. And that really well could be a that that could be a league winner type move. If he busts this week and the Marat, you know, his value plummets again, and you can get a decent deal on Connor next week heading into the number two matchup in all of fantasy uh, for fantasy running backs, you would have to be mindful. You'd have to absorb a, a week 13 buy out of him. Um, but nonetheless, James Conner, you can see there's plenty of aspects of his profile here that shape him up to make him a relevant player on the fantasy football market here, uh, trade market down the stretch. And that's why we wanted to make sure and discuss him thoroughly today. Najee Harris of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know that there's a lot you can do with him. I mean, you don't really want him. I mean, even if he's, you really don't want him, I'm not sure you can trade him. But I think he's somebody you got to think of. I think what you have to say, Astro, what what am I going to do with Najee Harris the rest of the season? And that can begin to lead you down at least the exploratory options and uh, outlets or opportunities you have to maybe make a move in the fantasy football trade market. It's been a pathetic season for Najee Harris. In half-point PPR, he's had three games Almost identical. He had an 11.4 point game, 11.6 point game. So he's had three games of about 11 and a half points, and those are his biggest games of the season. Everything else, he really never totally busts. He usually gets you eight or nine points, but he is almost, he his, the variance of Najee Harris's scoring, fantasy football scoring distribution is very little. It's very tightly clustered on the season. You can basically just, Ride him up for eight to twelve points. So that's not the worst, I get, I suppose. And you would think because it's Najee Harris, there should, in some theory, some academic theory, some universe, be that Najee Harris has upside. I don't think we've seen anything to indicate that on the season. But I suppose you could make a case for if you're just looking for like a you know, a flex two or something, the very bottom of your starting lineup and you can get a deal on Harris. I suppose I can have some interest there. Um, I was thinking more like, what do you do with him? He's probably a hold because of all these things. He might also be a sell if you can, you know, it's not going to sell high, but maybe, maybe just the fact he's been basically 10 points a game the last month. Uh, he got the 20 touches last week, so people are maybe 20 touches, 99 yards. It feels like maybe maybe they got a glimpse of that workhorse role that we expect out of Harris. I mean, certainly what we're saying is he's a guy you can part with, that he may be a piece that you could throw into a consolidation deal uh, for a better player in return. I mean, and, and I think you should consider it if that's the case. Are you getting crazy value on him? No, but you know we don't have – necessarily time to micromanage every aspect of that at this point we have to just be aware of the opportunities in front of us and make the best decisions uh that we can and so i would consider that Najee harris this week his buy is out of the way that's something to consider uh 
the next couple weeks, he's got Cincy and Indianapolis. So let's see. Pittsburgh, it's an ugly matchup this week. Not ugly, but number it's a lower third matchup for fantasy running backs at home this week against Cincinnati. Um, and then we said he'd also be facing Indy, which would be like a middling matchup. So he's got decent matchups. Nothing to really... Nothing that really changes the trajectory in one direction or the other too much about how we feel about him. I think he's kind of, his his schedule from a fantasy perspective is somewhat agnostic as we look at here had here the next few weeks. Um, so I'd recommend, yeah, see what's up with Najee Harris. I mean, we're not actively pursuing him. If you're looking for, you know, a bottom of the starting lineup flex player, I think if you could get him for cheap, like it's it you know it'd be worth considering. I mean, can you trade like a Gabriel Davis for a Najee Harris or a, you know, a, something along those lines, or maybe, you know, maybe some kind of really low end running back and low end wide receiver or something for him. I don't, maybe so, but you know, more than likely, maybe the other thing you consider is like, can I take Najee Harris and and Devonte Smith or Najee Harris and Darius Slayton or Najee Smith and Najee Harris and Devin Singletary, and can I package these guys together and level up to a more prolific player in return for the the arms race, the nuclear arms race? We want to nuclearize our starting lineups uh, for the the fantasy football playoffs. Folks, I'd ask you too, what are you going to do with your Chicago Bears rest of the season? I mean, I know what you've been doing lately. If you roster Justin Fields, you've been winning. <laughs> you've been feeling like a king. You've been kicking your opponent's asses all over the damn place. I mean, he's he's a he's talk about waiver wire pickups that are like league winners. I mean, Justin Fields is looking just he's central casting. That's for sure. And there's no signs of slowing down. Um either. But I think what comes into play is a lot of you who have Justin Fields, you also have another quarterback that's very good on your roster. So what do you do in that situation? Well, you know, depends on the depth on your quarterback waiver wire. But, you know, I like to have – if I've got a good team I think it can win the title with, I like to have a little insurance there. But a lot of you guys have good, pretty good quarterbacks on your waiver wire. So it really diminishes – the incentive to roster two good quarterbacks and let some of that value rot away on your bench, you know, when you could use it in your starting lineup um, and the fantasy football playoffs. So I think in this case, oftentimes what happens is you've made a pickup like Fields. You've got somebody like Tua or Dak or something like that on your roster too. So, um, of course, I think you should try to trade one of these quarterbacks or consider it. Uh, and a method, some kind of method to improve the other portion of your uh, starting lineup. And you would do that to a team that's, you know, needier at the quarterback position than you. Oftentimes what happens, though, is, um, you know, in this case, you may just be so bullish on fields that you want to keep them at all costs and you are just dead set on trading the Tua or the Dak or whoever else it is that exists on your bench. And, and I would certainly understand that. But a lot of times the creative thing to do here. If you really can't, if you're not, if you really are honest and you say who's going to have a better finish to the season, Dak or Justin Fields or two or Justin Fields, 
you know, a lot of times you zoom out and you say, you know, that's really hard to say. It could be a coin flip. In that situation, uh, you know, the the prudent financier, he sells the the asset with the highest or most inflated value. And in that case, that would be Fields. Uh, so I think that's something... Um, I think that's something to consider. I had Alex texting me about Justin Fields, uh, telling me he wanted to make sure I included him in this podcast. And it was pretty much schedule related. So let's see here. He does have a buy in week 14. We got three weeks ahead. I mean, Justin Fields just, God, he had basically two 25-point games in a row in week seven and eight. And then it's been two 40-point games uh, in a row the last uh few weeks here i mean this is just unbelievable he's got atlanta at atlanta at new york jets at home against green bay and then a bye so let's see what alex was talking about here if we used this week's matchup tool to kind of look ahead uh chicago well this is a badass matchup for justin fields this week at atlanta so obviously it's a situation it's very very marketable situation but I mean, this is just like the matchup I saw on this is, you know, I got him into my lineup at the last minute over two of last week because I just said at the end of the day, like this is a pick em situation. I like them both They're back to back across the industry in the rankings. But I said, you know, I'm going to go with our matchup tool here. It showed Chicago was a top three matchup last week against Detroit for fantasy quarterbacks. It was a 48 and a half point over under. It was a sea of blue for all the Chicago skill players. And I just figure in the end, all those arrows point back to Justin Fields. And so I made a last minute move against the trash man and eked out a victory because I made that pivot uh, to Justin Fields. And when you look at this matchup on paper, it's on the road instead of at Soldier Field, but God, he gets the dome on the fast track in Atlanta. It's all, it's a very similar profile this week for Fields. So while I think this is one that's extremely marketable that you could definitely sell Fields for like an absolute King's ransom at this point, I also think like, this is a game that you really want to just play Justin Fields in if you can. So let's see what Alex was talking about with the Jets and the Packers upcoming. Let's see, are those Packers would be a bottom third matchup. I mean, we saw Dak Prescott just do pretty well in that matchup, but it was more of as a passer to CeeDee Lamb and less as a runner. And then the Jets are a bottom third matchup as well. So you're good, but they're not like just blood red, you know, fire engine red matchups on the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com. So I don't know. I'm not too concerned about the matchups about Justin Fields as I look ahead, but I, I, I don't think that changes the narrative that his value is still really high. And if you want to do something with him, you can. I'm just not sure that, um, you know, I, some some people think so basically you, Alex is saying you should short sell this guy because he's his value is about to maybe take a little hit. I, it's not clear to me if that's actually going to happen here. Let's see on week. Let's see what his playoffs look. Philadelphia and Buffalo at home in week 16, 15 and sixteen for Justin Fields. If we use this week's matchup tool, um, Philadelphia would be the worst matchup in the league for fantasy quarterbacks. Buffalo, we know, is going to be – so that's what Alex is doing. He's looking ahead here to the fantasy playoffs. 
Okay, so that's what it is. Justin Fields with ugly matchups in week 15 and 16, which are going to be you know round one and round two of your fantasy playoffs. And then he gets the absolute just glorious matchup against Detroit in week 17 where he just had the 41-pointer against him. So I don't know. I think you got to kind of – you got to kind of pick your spots here as you look ahead with Justin Fields. Um, you know, I think probably what you do is you play him this week at Atlanta if you need to. You know, if it's clear that he's your best option to get a win this week, I think you go ahead and play him. And then if you want to try to make a move with him next week before he has a little bit of a rockier projected month ahead that goes, you know, definitely doves, dovetails right into your playoffs or could affect you like in a very important spot in the season, then I think you can be a little more, you can tinker with this a little more. So my advice is keep Justin Fields this week, play him in most situations, unless you, you know, have another top three quarterback at your disposal and you, you just, you don't want to see another, any more information. You don't want, we don't want to see another card. We just want to take this pot down for a monster right now and a Justin Fields trade. I think, that's fine. I think most of you guys will want to play him this week and then maybe revisit this uh, next week. But certainly an interesting topic and glad that Alex texted me about that. David Montgomery, what do you do about him? I mean, Khalil Herbert, the IR, this looks really great for Montgomery on paper. I think it's going to be a strong finish for Montgomery. He's going to be an impactful player here down the stretch. And I think that momentum is on his side, uh, probably in like the public eye at this point, because of the Khalil Herbert nudes. Um, that said, like he's been no good lately. He had a poor week last week, and there Herbert or not, there's still Justin. There's still Justin Fields taking a big chunk of the fantasy, you know, prowess away from him with the rushing yards and even the touchdowns when they're down in the red zone. So you know he's not coming off. You know David Montgomery, he's coming off of a bad game. So if the news hasn't permeated your league that he's like an uncontested starter, basically rested the meaningful portion of the fantasy season, then by all means, Dave Montgomery may be a buy low right now. Um, on the other hand, he could be a sell. He could be a sell if, you know, despite the uh, lackluster performance last week, it could be just that the narrative is surging around him this week. And um, but you're not buying it because you don't like his performance on the season. And, you know, Justin Fields is also thorn in his side because of the rushing uh, situation there, then maybe you take this opportunity to try to try to move David Montgomery while you can. I think like some of these things, it's not always black and white, right? Like this is going to be circumstantial in your, in your league and you're going to need to use uh, the rationale that we, you know, advise you on here and you're going to need to take that home and um, come to, you know, conclusion on yourself. You know, we're teaching you to, uh, analyze these things where they say, you know, you, 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 you teach a man, a, you know, you catch a man a fish and you eat once or whatever, but you teach a man a fish and he eats for life. And so we're teaching you to eat for life on the fantasy football uh, trade market. We're teaching you to, uh, we're teaching you to, to <laughs> we're teaching you to fish for giant trophies here uh, uh, down the stretch in our fantasy football trade market. You know, I always say, if you're unsure what to do, at this point of the season, simplify it. Just say to yourself, I want to have a starting lineup with the biggest names in all of fantasy football, almost to cartoonish proportions. And that's a pretty foolproof rule for having a, a good starting lineup that you can 
go to battle with and feel confident in and sleep at night if things don't work out, um, you'll have done uh, your part if you can uh, build a playoff starting lineup uh, in in that light. So David Montgomery this week, let's just see what we got here. He's got those same matchups that Fields has. I mean, it's a this is a great matchup for David Montgomery. I mean, it's top 10. It's not great, but with the backfield to himself in Atlanta, 49-point game total, um, you know, I think if you need to play Montgomery this week, if you need to keep him, that's all good. I think he's probably going to get his value up. You know, so realistically, the best time to try to move on from Montgomery might be next week um, if you're not totally sure. But again, time's not on our side and we not may not have that luxury. Uh, I think he's a guy that we can part with if his value has been restored to a um, significant degree. Um, especially if, you know, again, if it's in pursuit of a, a better player that we're more comfortable with in return. But that said, if his value has not been restored in your league, he actually might be a sneaky guy uh, uh, to move in on here if you can get just the right deal on him. Ultimately, uh, this means Dave Montgomery could be ho- just a hold, simply a hold in uh, many leagues. Uh, folks, last but not least here on kind of the sell or hold side of things as I have it, is what are you going to do with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson? A total split time. In an offense that seems to have enough to go around for everybody. But, you know, what do you make of this, of that backfield? I mean, the numbers are good for both these guys. They're, they're, I would say that the split you're seeing is fair, and it could go in either direction any given week moving forward. But I think they are overproducing for that split at this moment. So while people are aware of the split and that takes some sheen off, I think the numbers are good. And it could mean that they're overvalued. Um, they are on a buy. So, you know, what are you going to do with them this week? But I think, you know, like we said, we're looking ahead here um, uh, for the you know, remainder of the duration of our, our uh you know, of our of our trade, you know, prior to our trade deadlines here, our, our uh, trade window is what the word I'm looking for. Um, I think Wilson and Moster guys you need to be mindful of. They certainly have been pleasant surprises, but how much how much do you? I mean, that's a pass first team. That's a Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mike McDaniel to a you know collaboration, and then you got Moster and Wilson in the background feasting on all all the all the scraps. That's for sure. But, you know, it's a split time. I think it's a hot hand situation. Wilson looks to be in the lead right now, you know. So I think that's that's going to be kind of a pendulum that swings back and forth and could be fairly productive. But I, certainly I don't think it's not ideal. So, you know, probably not doing much with them this week while they're on a bye. But you know, I'd keep a close eye on what to do with Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert uh, as – the uh, trade window uh, begins to close uh, here in the coming days and uh, weeks. All right, folks, uh, it's that time of the week again where we uh, will be uh, uh, promoting uh, the Trash Man's biggest feature of his life. Win the Trash Man's money at rosterwatch.com. You guys have single-handedly brought the Trash Man out of poverty and despair into a a respectable life of a working man where he has uh, a self a sense of self-purpose and dignity uh, these days. And he, he has an enormous gratitude uh, for roster watch nation. Um, uh, you know, making him a productive member of society. 
And so for that, the trash man has decided very reluctantly, but he has agreed to give back some of his own money, some of his own filthy, disgusting money out of his oh, out of his uh, recycled clothes, the, the, the pockets in his uh, vintage is what he would call them jeans. We just call them old and grimy with holes from some secondhand store is mostly where the trash man's wardrobe has come from. But long story short, he wants to pay it back to Roster Watch Nation. He wants to engage you guys to do something fun. So please join the trash man this week in our featured contest of the week. Win trash man's money. Sunday night football, week 11. You guys can uh, join. It's a, it's a Sunday night football squares pool. It's all free entry. we got $100 of cash prizes uh, coming right out of the trash man's bank account directly to Roster Watch uh, Nation. You guys can join this week's version of Win the Trashman's Monday, Sunday Night Football Squares. Um, just look for the post on the ticker at rosterwatch.com. Just click the invite from your mobile device. It's very simple. You know, you'll pick your square and be in the contest in about 15 seconds. Um, or you can uh, go to our Twitter feed, at rosterwatch, and you'll see the invite pinned at the top of our Twitter feed. And you can certainly uh, click that link there to join uh, this week's version of Win the Trash Man's Money. And we hope to see you in there. And, you know, it's a good time to mention how grateful we are um, for Roster Watch Nation. Uh, we hope you are all doing, you know, you're all healthy and happy and prosperous and your families are doing well um, heading into the holiday season here. Our gratitude is enormous. Uh, we, you know, we, Roster Watch Nation means everything to us and it's important uh, to make sure that uh, make sure that we share that with you very candidly. So thank you. Thank you guys for all your loyal support um, over the years. Um, we're always trying to do more every season. And as we look ahead to 2023, I think that you guys will be excited about some of the new features at rosterwatch.com. All right, folks, let's turn the page. This is a big, burly, and just long Final podcast, final trade cast of the season. Hopefully this satiates you knuckleheads' voracious appetite for maniacal fantasy football content as it relates to uh, the fantasy football trade market. Um, so let's get to the buy side on week 11, folks. What are you going to do with Cordero Patterson? I think you should try to make a move and move in on him. Cordero Patterson had kind of a lackluster game last week. Only four points, five attempts. But he has a great matchup this week against Chicago at home. We were just talking about this matchup. It's the number five matchup of the week. Um, Falcons are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. This, this, has, this has all of the signs. It could be an explosive game with Justin Fields on the other side. This has all the, this is the, all the hallmarks, all the signs, all the characteristics of a big Cordero Patterson uh, bounce back game. I mean, guys, it's it was a. Everybody remembers how important of a how impactful of a player he was last season. He started the season hot. He was injured for gosh one two three four three four at least a month. He was injured. Um, came back, had a good game in week nine, but on limited volume and on the back of really two touchdowns, and then came right back down to earth last week. So it's unclear how his. Managers are feeling at this moment in time. What I can tell you is Cordero Patterson last week was a 38% snap count. Only one target, six 
touches. This is week 10, 20 yards. This is an ugly performance for Cordero Patterson. Uh, he really ceded some work to Tyler Algier there. Anyways, I'm these are all calculated bets, right? It's this is a, again once this is a this is a um, a little bit of a proposition of imperfect information. So we have to make our best calculation here. And my calculation is like, I'll give me I'll go to bat with Cordero Patterson the rest of the season every every day of the week and two two times on Sunday uh, and down the stretch in this 2022 season. I'd recommend you consider the same thing. I think he could be a big time player down the stretch and um, I, he's obtainable right now. He's, he's an obtainable player. He gets Washington and then Pittsburgh in week 12 and 13. So those Washington's not a great matchup. Pittsburgh is a middling matchup and then it's a buy in week 14 for Patterson. Um, you know, I think he's a guy to try to move in on right now. And then if you can't move in on him this week, let's see what happens here against Chicago. Maybe he's a sell high before those matchups with Washington and Pittsburgh and his week 14 bye. Uh, maybe he is, uh, you know, maybe he's a hold. Maybe he's a guy that uh, maybe he somehow has another bad week this week and then you get another bite at the apple at buying low on Cordero. Um you know, we'll see how that unfolds. I would just say now, at right now, at this moment in time, I'm interested in buying low on Cordero Patterson and um, making him a member, a prominent member of my starting lineup rest of the season and living with the results. We'll see how the chips uh, may fall with Cordero Patterson rest of the season. Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is a guy that is one of the premier names in all of fantasy. Coming off of two... Basically seven point games on eight and a half rushing attempts per game. The Saints look terrible. And this is after a month of just going gangbusters. After which was after a month of doing nothing to start the season. So it's been a really uncharacteristic year for Alvin Kamara. His managers don't know what to expect. Some of them might be crestfallen that they didn't get rid of him while they could when he had the 38 point game in week eight. I think that shows us that there's upside still with Kamara. I think we tread a little more lightly than we have in the past. Um, and maybe it's a little bit like the discussion we had about Aaron Jones you know, earlier. But what do we? What the difference is he's not coming off of a big game here. So you can't sell him. This is all a matter of do you want to buy on Alvin Kamara? And I would absolutely say yes. We're always interested in buying an Alvin Kamara, especially if he becomes – if he doesn't have to be one of our – you know. If if we're a team that's in a great position right now, we're able to pick up Kamara, and he's, you know, doesn't have to be one of our one or two best players on our team. He lives a little further down the starting lineup. Um, you know what a what an absolute boon uh, that could potentially be. He gets the Rams, the 49ers, and the Bucks before a week. 14 by, so I don't know that that's great. Let's see here, running backs, New Orleans. What do we got here? Middling matchup, low game total this week against the Rams. I mean, and they have a good interior defensive line. You know, I'm not sure my expectations are sky high for Camaro this week, even though the matchup's not horrible on paper. At San Francisco, at Tampa Bay, uh, we know the one at San Francisco is the worst matchup in the league this week for fantasy running back. So that's not going to be ugly. I mean, that's not going to be good. That could be ugly. And then at Tampa Bay in week 13, that 
is not a horrible matchup on paper, but they just shut Kenneth Walker down this last week. Um, and then it's a bye in week 14. So you need to be mindful here of what's in store for Alvin Kamara. I mean, it's not clear that he's just going to go gangbusters the next month. So what that means is you will have an opportunity probably again to trade for him in another week or so. So maybe that's the play here. But I think people are going to have to be really dialed into what's going on with Kamara here because he's an important fantasy piece and it hasn't been good the last few weeks and the next month doesn't really look good and we got trade deadlines expiring in the midst of that and who's going to be able to absorb a week 14 buy when like that's going to be the you know final push to make your fantasy football playoffs and then you come back you get Atlanta, Cleveland and Philadelphia in the fantasy playoffs uh for Camara. So Atlanta's a decent one. We've talked about that. Cleveland's a good matchup. Philly is middling. So it's a pretty nice fantasy playoffs for Alvin Kamara. So I think, you know, the what this dictates is if you're a winning team who doesn't have to uh doesn't have to play Kamara every week between now and your fantasy playoffs, he's an amazing guy to try to buy low on now. Stash him, play him if you need to, but more than likely just wait it out and let him heat back up for what looks like a really good stretch run in the fantasy playoffs. Alvin Kamara could be the kind of guy that you know win, wins you the league uh, deep into your fantasy playoffs. And so I'd say this week, next week, keep a keep a keep a keen eye out for the status of Alvin Kamara in your fantasy football league. DeAndre Swift of the Lions. You know, I he's clearly Jamal Williams is like a high end RB two on the season. I mean, a lot of roster watch nation got him late in drafts. That's really paid off. Swift has been pretty good when he was healthy and getting fed, but he hadn't been healthy and he hasn't really been getting fed lately. Um, you know, but he's the kind of player he still gets you pretty interested because you know you're not again he's not an airtight. You know, he could screw you a little bit. You know, I mean, you're not 100%, but, like, what a flex he could potentially be, DeAndre Swift, right? Like, and you, you know the upside's there, and it's – I mean, this has been an ugly season. He's had – week one and two were a 26-point game and a 16-point game, and other than that, it's been nothing. He had a 12-point game in week eight, but that's not anything to write home about. And, you know, all you keep hearing from his coaches is that he's, you know, he, uh, he's not going to be all the way healthy all the rest of the season. You know, I don't know what to believe. I think it's a calculated risk. Again, that's why you don't want to make a move for him if he's going to have to be a pivotal piece in your lineup. But if he can be a peripheral piece that you can slide in as the third, fourth best player in your starting lineup, you know, a few weeks from now when things are getting really, really serious in the ramp up to our fantasy playoffs, like that could be a really smart move. Only five rushing attempts in week eight, two rushing attempts in week nine, six rushing attempts in week 10. For DeAndre Swift, he gets the Giants, Bills, and Jaguars next. The buy is in the rearview mirror, so let's let's take a look. DeAndre Swift here, uh, Detroit Lions. Boy, it's been a sad season. It looked promising at the beginning, but you know this is why we didn't get too we didn't get too bullish on DeAndre Swift in the preseason because these were always the risks with him. He looks like he can be one of the best in the league, but. You know, how reliable is he? He hasn't been at all. Week 10, 31% snap count, three targets, seven touches. He did get the touchdown. That's absolutely pitiful. Without that touchdown, that would have been a 
three-point fantasy performance. You know, Jamal Williams, not a much, not a big snap count, but 16 touches. Week nine. 16% snap, five touches, 50 yards for DeAndre Swift. Boy, that's not good. That's not good. Week eight, DeAndre Swift, 55%, 10 touches, five targets, 33 yards. It's been ugly for Swift. I mean, now you look at these trends and you say he, he, he really might not be healthy. Um, let's, let's project these matchups here. So we got New York, Buffalo, and Jacksonville. So let's use this week's matchup tool. See what that looks like. Uh, it's a below average against the Giants. Bottom third against the Bills. And Jaguars are not going to be able to tell they're on a bye. Let's see what his fantasy playoffs are the Jets, the Panthers, and the Bears. And which by then maybe he'll be a lot healthier. I think you got to take kind of the long view on. Uh, DeAndre Swift here. The Jets would be kind of a below-average matchup in Week 15 of the playoffs. What about Carolina and Chicago? Carolina isn't a great. So Week 16, the very the end of the fantasy playoffs, Carolina and Chicago are awesome matchups for DeAndre Swift. So I think he really needs to be viewed more as a stash. And you know maybe we've had a sobering sobering moment here. You know we like to fancy all the reasons that Swift could be a buy low but you know maybe he's not healthy and he's just not a good fantasy player right now maybe he needs more time if that's the case I mean you're not going to sell high on him but at least he got the touchdown last week and made it a somewhat respectable game and I think there's people who are just married I think people overvalue DeAndre Swift's name recognition and name value so not a sell high, but maybe still a guy I, you could sell if you're not comfortable with him moving forward. Because if he's somebody you're really depending on, uh, you might just try to get as much as you can for him and see if you can put yourself in a better position to get into the playoffs with other players and a more complete starting lineup. Because I'm not sure Swift is somebody you can rely on right now. I tend to still think he's the type of player we'd prefer to buy low on. But as I see it now, it's much more with a long view as a late season stash and anything you get along the way would would be uh you know would be uh a bonus essentially uh let's see here michael Pittman. we told you about him last week we said and this is before we got the news we said Pittman and paris campbell were guys to keep an eye on in case jeff saturday went back to matt ryan which made there had been no news on that front at that point but it made sense that that could be in the cards that's what we saw happen they played a strong game against the Raiders, and I expect Matt Ryan to stay in there, which means I expect Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell to have a little rebound in value here. Campbell had a pretty decent fantasy game uh, this last week. Pittman was a little, I think, let's see here. Michael Pittman, eight points, but on nine targets. So, I mean, if you look at it, Pittman hasn't had double-digit fantasy points in the last month, almost six weeks. I mean, really, he's it's been a, a very disappointing fantasy production for Pittman for long stretches at this point. So, you know, how much has his manager really calculated, you know, what kind of rebound he could have here with a Matt Ryan? I mean, I don't know. You're going to have to find that out. But there's a, the chance that Pittman is, is – 
poorly valued or inadequately valued in your league at this moment. Um, and I kind of like the idea of a Matt Ryan return, and there could be a little bit of a bounce here um, for Pittman. So we we speculated last week, and we kind of said you might want to get ahead of this or at least keep an eye on it. It materialized over the weekend. Fortunately, Pittman didn't really have a big game. Um, so I think like this is this is this is most likely the appropriate. You know, from a practical matter, this is the time to get that deal done this week. Ninety-five percent snap count, nine targets for Michael Pittman uh, led the team from that perspective. Paris Campbell, seventy-nine percent snap, only two targets, three touches for Campbell, seventy-one yards there for Paris Campbell. Um, he's an interesting guy. I think you go either way with Campbell, but Pittman, I think here you look at this and you say, I really think you should try to buy low on Michael Pittman this week in your fantasy league if you need some help at wide receiver. Um, I think you'll be rewarded. A.J. Brown. Now, this is the kind of apex predator that we want to pursue. We want to be in hot pursuit of. These are the these are the people we're setting our sights on um, to build that nuclear starting lineup for our fantasy playoffs. A.J. Brown. I mean, you're not going to ever really buy low on him, but he had the down week this last week. Um, I think people have seen he's not entirely reliable on a week-to-week basis, but we've seen he has massive upside. And I mean, he's a wide receiver, low-end wide receiver one, average points per game on the season. But I mean, certainly he has enormous upside beyond that. And he, he's a player you would just feel awesome going to fantasy playoffs with. So can you buy low on A.J. Brown? No. Is he available? Maybe so. Do we recommend, like, this is the type of big-name player that you – you know, you 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 just you fork up whatever you have to, just to to get him into your starting lineup, and then we'll just live with the results and we'll sleep well at night because we know that we went to war with AJ Brown. Yeah, he's a quintessential example of that player. Um, I think every one of you that are listening to this podcast this week should absolutely be going about going after AJ Brown. It would be um, malfeasance not to. And it's a tough matchup on paper this week for A.J. Brown. You know, we just saw, who did we see Stephon Gilmore shut down? He didn't shut him down, but he he sure did get Devontae Adams on the last play of the game this last week. Could be a tough match. It could be it for two weeks in a row. So A.J. Brown, you might get a second bite at the apple next week. Maybe the smart money just fade him this week. Let somebody else absorb the tough matchup and then, and then circle back and go after him next week. That really might be the best play here um that said you know time is short and running out here aj brown um you don't get these opportunities often you know i think you i think you at least see what the possibilities are this week if you get something done this week i'd recommend it if you have to wait till next week um i think you may get another chance and you may even be in a better position at that at that juncture but aj brown a player that um I mean, I think he's one of our top players to pursue uh, this week on the fantasy football trade market. His buy is in his rearview mirror. Indy, Green Bay, Tennessee, the Giants, Chicago, Dallas, New Orleans. Um, At a glance, I think it's a bit of a middling schedule here. Let's see what Green Bay and Tennessee are. We're just curious at this point. We've done this much work. It's a great matchup against Tennessee. Um not as good of a matchup against Green Bay, although we saw CeeDee Lamb just go big there. 
Uh, let's see, what about Giants, Bears, Cowboys? Uh, against the Giants is middling. Dallas is, I mean, Giants and Dallas are below average. Uh, Bears are kind of average. And then week 17 is New Orleans. That's not going to be a cakewalk either. That's, that's going to be, so he's middling. A.J. Brown has a very average middling fantasy schedule the remainder of the season. You know, but I think that's, that's okay news. You'd love to see that he has amazing matchups the rest of the way, but he's the kind of dominant player that as long as he's not going against like the worst matchup in the league, like you're still in pretty good shape. So um, A.J. Brown, you know, maybe have a, uh, you know, maybe check your expectations a little bit, but uh, he's the type of elite player that we really want to focus on targeting right now. I think you can buy low on him. I take that back. I think you might be able to to buy on him this week. And uh, judging from his schedule, as the rest of our uh, uh, the trade uh, window unfolds before the deadline, you may get another shot at this um, if your trade deadline isn't dropping this week. So keep an eye, keep a close eye on AJ Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles, um, a cherished, cherished. Uh, you know, Cheris really a, a prospect of Roster Watch Nation, a guy that we've scouted very, very closely uh, since we attended his pro day at uh, Ole Miss. Debo Samuel of the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, everything say here says, like, this is a guy that you should, could have an opportunity to buy low on. I'm genuinely worried about his profile this year. He's just, it's been a, it's been like, let's look at Debo Samuel. I mean, it's been, a, I'm afraid to see what this looks like. It's been, it's been a bad fantasy year versus expectations. And, you know, people were expecting the, that regression with Trey Lance, but when Garoppolo came in, really thought Debo was going to heat up. It just hasn't happened. And,. He is wide receiver 24 points per game, half point PPR on the season. That's an ugly situation. You say there's got to be upside. He's too good of a player, right? So, again, it's a calculated risk. Like, I'll just live my life going, getting in with the guys like Debo Samuel. If it doesn't work out, I'm not going to have a lot of remorse. But we want to have an honest look at what his profile has been on the season. So, I, here's one thing we know Debo Samuel is better than wide receiver 24. So, that tells me, yes, he is a buy. He is a buy low. Um, let me see here. Let's talk about his recent production. Debo Samuel. I mean, six points last week, a buy in week nine, zero points on an injury in week eight, seven points in week seven. So it's been a month since he's been relevant. And before that, all his games were like 10 or 12. He was double-digit points the first six weeks of the season. But it was like 10 and 12 points. He's only had one 20-point game on the season, Debo Samuel. So it's... It's been ugly. I mean, this is a guy you thought could be top five, and he's he's barely a flex. He's you know he's almost basically a wide almost he's like a high end wide receiver three is what he's been on the season. Um, he's at Arizona this week. I'm sure that game total is big. They haven't been the easiest matchup for opposing wide receivers. Um, it's kind of middling here. The number seventeen matchup for uh, Debo Samuel. 
Uh, he has the bye in his rearview mirror. It's New Orleans after that. We just talked about that. That's middling. Miami after that. That's a good matchup. Those are all at home. Tampa's at home. That's a decent matchup. Um, then the playoffs are Seattle, Washington, and Las Vegas. Let's see what those look like. Uh, Seattle, we're not going to be able to see here because they are on a bye. Washington will be a great matchup. Las Vegas will be a great matchup. So Devo Samuel with a favorable schedule. And with the lowest we've seen his value in recent years. Still a big name, so it'll be interesting to see how the owner in your league, his owner, his manager in your league values him. But certainly there's an opportunity here. And it's not a guaranteed one because the touches are down. And, you know, I've told you I'm worried about McCaffrey. You know, we got Eli Mitchell. There's just so many people. Eli Mitchell, McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo. You know, you're afraid McCaffrey is really going to cannibalize a lot of the role that Debo made Debo so valuable last year. We've seen Ayuk uptick in his targets and usage and, you know, production this season. You know, Kittle, not what he used to be, but more and, you know, a little more of a, this is interesting. Brandon Ayuk, surprisingly, I would have said I thought Brandon Ayuk was better on the season than Sam. These guys are back to back 24 and 25 on this season. Half point PPR, um, Low, low-end wide receiver twos, high-end wide receiver threes. So really, it's been tough to differentiate between Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk this season, which is a bummer, and a, that's a disappointment for Samuel owners. That kind of tell you everything you need to know. But, you know, you're kind of betting on the speculation here. You're betting on the breakout. Not guaranteed to happen, but buy in the rearview mirror. Several home games here. I like the schedule for Samuel. I really do recommend that you guys – Uh, Take a calculated assessment of Debo Samuel and attempt to make a move for him uh, in your league. This I'd go for it this week with with Debo Samuel. I would not waste uh, much more time there. And then on the other hand, you know, if he has a big week and you're still not sold uh, on him, maybe you could, you know, maybe that'll be your last opportunity this season to move on from Debo. If for some reason you've had that in mind, be curious to see. Let's see what his shares are here. Let's see, week 10 for Debo Samuel. 87% snaps, six targets, six touches. Whereas Ayuk was 97% snaps, seven targets. McCaffrey, six targets. Kittle, really 100% snap, very few targets there. Week nine was a bye. Uh, Let's see here. Week eight was an injury. Gosh, and then you start going back to week six and seven. That feels too far to really be super relevant data. But let's take a look here. Outsnapped and out-targeted significantly by Ayuk and by Kittle in week seven. I mean, so this has just turned into a kind of a cannibalistic situation for the wide receivers. And then week six, there's 10 targets for all three of those guys, but Samuel still... A, a very good snap count, but uh, you know, basically, Ayuk can kittle almost in every snap of the game. So, yeah, I mean, there's some disturbing trends here with Samuel, and I think maybe we need to be realistic that you're not going to, more than likely, not going to reap the value that he he provided last year. But you know, he's still very, he still could be a a player that pops and and a significant way down the stretch. It's there's no way to know for sure. We don't have a crystal ball, but. You know, he's a guy that I, I think you feel pretty good speculating on. Um, that's Devo Samuel of the San Francisco 49ers. I'd consider trading for him 
uh, before the trade deadline in my fantasy football league. Um, other players, guys, you know, always said, you know, we're looking, f- we got to be a little creative here. We're trying to, like I said, make things happen with a limited window of time here. We don't have time to lie and wait for the opp- opportunistic stuff that falls in our lap. We got to be creative, resourceful, proactive. And some of that is, yeah, you know, considering the players that are on bye weeks this week, it creates a little bit of an artificial purchasing moment on him. Are there on them? Are there any Jacksonville Jaguars you're interested in obtaining? I mean, it's going to be hard to get ETN or maybe even Kirk. I, I'm not sure how interested in Kirk I am. Um, ETN, I would be very interested in, but you know, he's he's a top shelf guy. He's going to be hard to pry away, but he's on a buy this week, so maybe somebody's over for business. It never hurts to uh, to throw a pitch out there. Uh, Miami Dolphins. I mean, again, it's going to be difficult to get a Tyreek Hill. I just said, I, you know, we're not really looking to buy on Wilson and Mostert, but maybe Jalen Waddle. Maybe Jalen Waddle, a little bit lower target volume um, than uh, Tyreek Hill, you know, which really speaks to, you know, his production not being quite as the same level as Tyreek Hill, but overall, a very good player on the season. On a bye week now, only an eight point game on five targets last week. You know, it's not a bulletproof profile, but it's a good profile. And I think there could be a window here on Jalen Waddle. And what a hell of a pickup he would be. The number he's a wide receiver eight points per game on the season. He's gonna be hard to get, but he's on a bye this week, and that creates an opportunity to at least um inspect the situation. And if there's a losing owner that can't absorb his buy this week, I think he'd be wise to try to make a move on Jalen Waddle, And then you got your Seattle Seahawks on by this week. I mean, can you make a pitch for Kenneth Walker, you know, DK Metcalf, you know, really walkers who were interested in there. Tampa's on a buy this week. Can you make overtures for, you know, Fournette or Mike Evans or Godwin? You know, really not thrilled about any of those guys. You got to get the right price tag on them. But if I could get them for cheap, you know, which you might be able to, I don't mind having those guys uh, at the bottom of my starting lineup or kind of the first guys on deck on my bench as I'm looking ahead to my fantasy football playoffs. So look for the players on the bye weeks this week for the Jaguars, the Dolphins, the Seahawks, the Bucks. You may be able to find a creative deal to get done on that front as we're trying to capitalize on, you know, our uh, our um our uh, dwindling remaining time here uh, on the fantasy football trade market for the 2022 season. Injured players, another bucket similar to bye week players where there can be some creativity to go after, make some trades on some deals um, that are maybe available because they've been injured and that's put their owners into distress. I think we'll have to look at the Chargers wide receivers. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, they are closer to returning, but at this juncture of the week, it's not guaranteed they return this week. You know, consider what you think their value really is when they do return. Uh, I think it's probably pretty good. Uh, so, you know, I would, I, I'm interested in poking around on the Chargers wide receivers if I can afford uh, to make a move for them and potentially stash them for another week if I have to. Those guys could be impactful players down the stretch. What's the situation with Jamar Chase in your league? I mean, that's the every week that goes by, he's a week closer to returning. I don't like the hip injury for a skill player. That scares me a little bit. But, 
you know, we got to take our chances on some of these things. Like I said, none of this is perfect. At some point, you got to ship it in the middle and, you know, take your chances. And Jamar Chase is a guy you feel pretty good about doing that with. I think he's, while he's injured, I mean, like, this is, I would, I would offer something really good for Jamar Chase if I got comfortable with the idea that he's going to be back for at least a noteworthy portion of the remaining uh, fantasy football season. And, you know, if your research leads you to believe that he'll be, you know, remotely close, relatively close to the type of player we've become accustomed to. I mean, I will say you always tread a little lightly when you're trading for injured players. You got to tread lightly there. It's not, sometimes that can really backfire. Um, it's not always a mandate to trade for injured players, but we got to get a little more creative here. And Jamar Chase has the type of pedigree uh, that uh, brings him to mind. Hollywood Brown, we're hearing he's closer to a return, maybe very, very soon in Arizona. Kind of surprisingly, out of sight, out of mind. Coming back to an offense where DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore have really heated up. What's Hollywood Brown's value? It's interesting to try to assess. I mean, he was on fire at the beginning of the season when he had that whole thing to himself. That won't be the case when he returns. But then, you know, you can make the argument that he's not a high-volume guy and he's he's a high-target value player and uh, high-value target player. And he might be able to do a little bit more with less if the attention is pulled away from him. Now, I think... You don't want to go too far down that road because volume is still really king, but there could be some uh, validity to that line of thought. So nonetheless, Marquise Brown getting closer to a return. You know, if he doesn't return this week or, you know, if it's – even if he does, I mean, you might poke around and see what the deal with Marquise Brown is in your league. He was awesome to start the season. I'm not sure we can project that type of torrid pace to finish the season, but, you know – He's he is on the surface a respectable asset. Jerry Judy looked like I thought he blew out his Achilles for the Broncos. Looks like he escaped. He escaped. Uh, it could have been a much worse injury. Uh, looks like he's still sitting out practice this week. He, he may not return this week, and and I don't think he's a season winner or he's kind of a low lower end guy here that we're not really going out of our way for. Well, I mean. Skill-wise, we think Jerry Judy's very good. Fantasy-wise, you know, I'm not sure it's a seismic deal to go after a Jerry Judy, but, you know, different folks are in different situations. Uh, different guys are available in different leagues. You may not have all the choices in the world, and, you know, Jerry Judy would be an interesting guy. Uh, could You know, could be an interesting guy to, to have on the roster as we head down the stretch, um, just based on talent. Uh and based on the fact that I think his value is, you know, pretty low right now because he's he's injured. So uh, I wouldn't spend a lot of time on that, but I think he's a guy that you, if you, if you look at his profile, at least belong deserves to be mentioned. The same with J.K. Dobbins, ugly running back situation there in Baltimore. You know, how ultimately what does this all result in for Dobbins? It's unclear. I think it's a non-favorable situation, but you know. He's a big name that can probably be had for cheap. I'm not sure we've been blown away with the rest of the Ravens' run game. Um, it's a risky move, and he's not really a top-end guy, so that's not really our priority here. But again, you know, these some of these names may just flat-out be involved in trade markets, if not this week, in next week. Um, they may. And so um, 
I think we at least need to be mindful of them. Mark Andrews injured at the tight end position for Baltimore. I mean, he's an elite player that can win you a title. He's going to be very hard to acquire. I think you need to understand what his injury situation is as it relates to like your record and how much you need to win right now and how much cushion you have to, you know, to stash somebody like that. But and he's going to be hard to obtain. But certainly, Mark Andrews is a player that's been injured recently, and if you determine he has any viability uh, relative to your roster or your outlook rest of the season, like. I think he's an interesting player. He would be an amazing player to try to kind of swoop in on um, while he's um, on the sidelines. Dallas Goddard, unclear. He's a shoulder injury. They just sent him to IR. He may or may not be back to have relevance for the fantasy season. But um, So I don't think we need to act right now, but maybe as you get a little more information on Goddard's exact prognosis and timeline, if you think he's a guy that can be back, you know, for the last few weeks of the fantasy playoffs and you're a team that's good, but not, you don't have an elite player at the tight end. Like that could be an awesome stash. That could be the thing that makes your roster elite in the fantasy playoffs. Um, and, and put, puts what otherwise is a good team puts you over the top as like a really formidable, uh, team. I, I certainly wouldn't blame you to at least have a look at that as we get more information on Dallas Goddard at the tight end position, a, you know, a tough position to solve. If you can get one of these guys in there, it, it really is a big advantage. Uh, speaking of tight ends, I mean, David and Joku, that's one we've been watching closely. Uh, Deshaun Watson return in week 13 and Joku has been out of sight, out of mind with an injury. He's had trouble getting back on the field. It's unclear. He still hasn't practiced at least the first part of this week. It's unclear if he'll return this week. Um, I think he's an obtainable player. He's not somebody you can really use to help you win right now, but if you have the luxury of looking ahead to the fantasy playoffs, like he could be a game changer in the fantasy playoffs at the tight end position, a position that's been hard to solve. So I think you'd be creative to consider what's going on with David and Joku. While I'm talking about it, I think Amari Cooper coming off of a pretty poor game. I think it was here, uh, was it a, it was against the Dolphins. We were expecting more from Amari Cooper last week, even though the matchup's decent on paper. But if you think about those actual cornerbacks in Miami, I'm, I'm not all that surprised that turned out to be a tough matchup for Cooper. He struggles struggles with guys like that. Coming off a 5.4.7.3 target, 32-yard performance, um, I think Cooper's a guy that's available. And, you know, he could be, he may not be uh, on somebody's trade block, but I don't think he's an untouchable. And these people are looking at still a few weeks out until they think about Deshaun Watson coming in and the boost that might give somebody like Cooper. And then you wonder, you know, has that even happened in the first week that Watson gets back? Is there going to be some time it takes to get the chemistry and the gel? So it still could be two, three, four weeks until that Watson thing unfolds with Cooper. And well, in our minds, we build that up to be some spectacular uh, combination down the stretch. You know, it's not a guarantee. So, um, what I'm saying is the people who roster Cooper right now may or may not be married to him. And if they're not, I think he's an interesting guy to pursue um, for down the stretch. If you're a winning team, if it materializes the chemistry with him and Deshaun Watson, he could absolutely be a 
a nuclear weapon in the fantasy football playoffs. Um, and then last but not least, folks, uh, we spoke about tight ends there for a minute. You know, I we you know we don't really believe in Kyle. It's been an ugly season for Kyle Pitts. I'm not really sure that you can really hope or expect for much out of him, but um, I think he's a guy that can be had, and it's a thin tight end position. Um, you know, so he's a guy that you could roll the dice just based on some kind of uh, potential upside, and I don't think he's an untouchable. Um, and certainly if you don't if you've developed other options at the tight end position and you're just not comfortable with Kyle Pitts anymore, I mean, if he has a good game this week or whatnot and you want to try to move on from him next week, I wouldn't blame you for that either. And then George Kittle, I mean, he's not the old Kittle that we um used to see, but I think he's had a little bit of return to prominence this year. I'm just curious. Let's see, where where is George Kittle? Let's go to tight ends. Half point PPR. Uh, let's see here. George Kittle. Well, he's tied in seven on the season, right? So he has returned to relevance. Um, Kittle, good matchup this week. Coming off of a bad, bad week in week 10. Great matchup this week with Arizona. I think George Kittle, if you're looking for help at the tight end position, is a really smart guy uh, to make some offers on this week. All right, Roster Watch Nation, we have an enormous gratitude for all of your loyal support over the years. We wish you and your families um, the best fortune for this holiday season and um, on into uh, the new year. And we, we uh, can't wait to um, can't wait to you know bring you guys all the uh, groundbreaking rookie information again in the next off season and. Everything we do, so on and so forth. So uh, until next season, Roster Watch Nation, uh, happy trading and be well. We got to install.